0: My name is Pedram Rajabifard, and we at TMC aim to discuss and inform students regarding topics which aren't covered well in medical school. This interview series is aimed at answering the questions that medical students, interns and doctors-to-be have regarding the various career pathways for medical graduates. Now the views and opinions expressed here are purely personal and are not reflective or representative of the stance of any employer, college, medical service, endorsement or other person. Alright, let's start the show. Hi everyone, today we're discussing colorectal surgery with Mr Raj Chandra who's a colorectal surgical consultant. Hi Raj, thank you for joining us. Uh, No problems, you're welcome. Can you start by telling us a little bit about your journey from having finished medical school going from internship to where you are now?
1: My medical journey is a a bit convoluted. I, when I was at university, I I joined the military, I joined the Air Force. So they sponsored uh, half of my medical training, uh, sort of so helped uh, a fair bit financially for me. And as a result, when I finished my medical training, I I worked uh, for five years as a full-time medical officer in in the Royal Australian Air Force, which was uh, for me a very positive experience. Uh, but prior to that I still had to do intern intern year and a residency year on my own uh, before before I, I did my return of service obligation with them so uh, during that time I always wanted to be a surgeon uh, I found out in my intern year that I was interested in surgery uh, not before that interestingly um, and all the way through my military time um, while I couldn't train to be a surgeon within the military I still have that ambition that I would become a surgeon once I finished um, that part of my
0: obligation so when you were uh, in the military what kind of uh, jobs were you doing Were you just a general medical officer yeah exactly right so
1: uh, most of my work was general practice work uh, obviously being in the military most of the populations a younger population so a lot of the things I was dealing with was um, a lot of sports medicine related problems uh, surprisingly a lot of mental health problems yeah. Um, and uh, just general day-to-day, general practice work, really.
0: And what, uh, what what about the experience makes you say that it was very worthwhile?
1: Uh, well, from a student perspective, it was fantastic because they, they pay for your uh, HEX fees, they pay for all your textbooks, yep. pay for accommodation. So uh, as a student, when you're sort of struggling a bit, you don't have to worry about all those things. Uh, you're well looked after. They pay you well as well. They give you a decent salary. Uh, you get to travel. Uh, you can go to parts of Australia um, and overseas, uh, and you get to do do a lot of courses and things which would cost a lot of money to do outside of um, uh, outside of the military, which which they help you with. And I think most importantly, it gives you. Uh, I mean, if you go through officer training, it, it gives it teaches you to be uh, independent, disciplined, how to be a leader, and all those things that sort of don't come naturally to a lot of people
0: and what pushed you to go into that um area for um in the first place
1: uh to be honest uh two things financial yeah. was, was a big thing and um in those days i was pretty fit so all the things that you know when you see the ads about military adventures and things i thought oh well i think i can do that so yeah yeah so i think you've got to have a physical mindset and be able to do it yeah Um, but I think a financial one was also important for me in those days
0: so you would have had to have done your um, service for a few years after you finished your residency year. yes Um, how did you I guess keep up with surgery or wanting to be a surgeon how how did that flame not die out Uh,
1: that's true Uh, as part of my uh, day-to-day work I was allowed to do private assisting uh, one to two days per week. So yeah. I was helping an orthopedic surgeon in those days. Ah, uh, sure. Uh, on a regular basis, I also took a year of leave without pay, and I spent that year doing my basic surgical training at Monash Medical Centre.
0: Ah, okay. So it was that uh, in the middle of in your the middle. service.
1: That's right. So I took a year off. That was fantastic, and I was also based at a military hospital where, uh, by and large, most of my work was just general uh, surgical work. Ah, right. um, And that was up in Sydney. So, and that was accredited for a year of basic training as well.
0: Yeah. You mentioned that you first got into surgery in your intern year. What was it that pushed, uh, I guess, made you want to be a surgeon? And were you, did you always want to be a colorectal surgeon from the beginning? No. Uh,
1: in fact, in my intern year, I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, but I only got to do one medical term in my intern year. The other terms were psychiatry, emergency, and two surgical terms. Uh, and out of all those terms surgery was the most uh, enjoyable for me yeah uh, where I thought that would be probably most more applicable to me and my personality Uh, but I think the biggest factor was the surgeons involved they encouraged me to do surgery Uh, so a lot of the time a lot of us make decisions I think uh, the mentors and referees that we have play a massive part
0: yeah now, you mentioned you worked with an orthopedic surgeon. You've done a lot of general surgery. Yes. What was it about colorectal surgery that pulled you towards that particular subspecialty? Uh, well, in my first
1: year, I, I was actually interested in orthopedics. Um, so I did apply for orthopedic training. Uh, as soon as I passed my first part exam, there was a resident. In those days, it was almost, imp- or it, I think it probably still is impossible to get into orthopedics at a resident level. Uh, but I got on general surgical training at the same time. So, um, and in my first year of general surgical training, my first rotation was a colorectal term. Uh, and until that time, I was planning on reapplying for orthopedics the following year. But during that term, I decided, um, I actually really enjoy colorectal surgery and it's um, the variety and challenges that it offers.
0: Um, so yeah, I didn't bother applying for orthopedics any further so would you say it's not necessarily that you for example always loved colorectal surgery It just so happened that the people that you were with in a doing surgery in your internship and then b your colorectal team and the job itself was what pushed you towards that
1: oh um definitely um my first term uh, again the mentors will play a massive part um seeing the dedication the type of surgery they do uh, and the variety as well as the patients you know uh, colorectal cancer is a huge problem in Australia and New Zealand. Um, it is one of those cancers which is curable. Uh, and the surgery that we do uh, is not only challenging, um, but uh, uh, also quite fulfilling. And, and, you know, most of the time it's successful and it's always, you know, nice to have good outcomes for your patients.
0: mm mm-hmm. As a colorectal consultant, can you tell us what your typical day might involve and I guess the different places that you're currently working at? Uh,
1: Yep, so currently my situation is I work at two public hospitals, the Royal Melbourne and Box Hill. Also do private practice. Uh, So it involves a fair bit of driving. Uh, However, a day-to-day, a a routine week would involve a combination of clinics, uh, outpatient clinics, um, operating lists, uh, in the operating theatres, but also endoscopy lists, uh, where we do a lot of colonoscopy, uh, and so there is a reasonable variety, um, and so it keeps you sort of uh, fresh in a sense without getting too bogged down or bored with what you do on a day-to-day basis. So,
0: yeah. I imagine as a consultant, you'd have the um, the ability to, I guess, maybe do more clinics if you wanted, or less endoscopy, or whatever it may be. Do you have a preference as to what kind of work you do, and why do you have that particular preference?
1: Uh, look, I I think it should be a balance. Um, doing too many clinics and not operating enough can be a negative. But at the same time, if you're operating too much and not having not spending time with your patients in the clinic uh, is also a negative. So I think you need to have a balance, and I think I've for me I think I've got it fairly well balanced at the moment
0: and with regards to endoscopy versus um, surgery in itself is that a plus that i guess not all surgical um specialties have for example a uh, like an endoscopy um is that is that one of the reasons that colorectal surgery is really enjoyable for you or
1: oh yeah uh, absolutely yeah. I, I do enjoy endoscopy um it, i think colonoscopy I, I do tell a lot of my trainees and juniors that colonoscopy is one of the hardest thing i had to learn as a surgeon Uh, So it's challenging, uh, but at the same time, uh, once you've done enough of them, it's still – you still never get bored of it, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, And so – and, you know, you find all sorts of different things, uh, different diagnoses. So uh, it's always challenging, uh, and it adds that extra dimension to your work, you know. So most people, like physicians really, I guess, not being proceduralists, they're seeing a lot of patients in the clinics and things. Sure. Uh, most surgeons would be doing clinics and operating, but I guess for us we've got that third dimension of, of endoscopy which, which um, keeps our work quite diverse.
0: Now, uh, some gastroenterologists, not surgeons, also do colonoscopies and endoscopy in general. How, do you, how does that play into the endoscopy work of a surgeon?
1: Um, well, for me, I don't think it makes too much difference. Uh, for surgeons, I guess it really depends on the indication for the colonoscopy, uh, and so for things like PR bleeding, which we see commonly, uh, most of the time it'll be due to hemorrhoids. A lot of the gastroenterologists don't, don't treat hemorrhoids. So a, as a surgeon, um, we were able to offer that service at the same time as doing the colonoscopy. Um, if someone is worried about bowel cancer, then uh, I think you're better off having a colonoscopy in the hands of a surgeon just to save that extra referral and time lag. Sure. Um, So again, I guess it just depends, you know, if if you're worried about uh, irritable bowel syndrome or inflammatory bowel disease, then you're probably better off going to a gastroenterologist for those indications.
0: Sure. As time goes on, uh, how do you see the field changing in the next five to 10 years, so the field of uh, colorectal surgery in general, and I guess following on from what we've just been talking about, do you think endoscopy will go more into one particular person's hand or will it just stay as is?
1: Uh, that's a that's a difficult question, uh, to be honest. Um, there are already moves afoot to standardize endoscopy accreditation, where I think a lot of people doing endoscopy uh, could possibly in the future be told not to be doing endoscopy anymore. It is getting more and more specialised. Uh, endoscopy itself is getting to the point where you can actually do endosurgery, where you can remove mm-hmm. uh, tumours even endoscopically, uh, and that kind of requires another higher level of training. Sure. Um, and so, and to be any good at it, you need to be doing lots of it, and and. Uh, at the moment, certainly in Victoria, I don't know too many surgeons who uh, who are interested in that kind of work. There are a few gastroenterologists who do a lot of that work. Uh, so it is becoming more and more specialised. Yeah. Uh, what was the original question again?
0: <laughs> How do you see colorectal surgery itself yeah. changing in the next 10 years? Yeah,
1: so in terms of the endoscopy, I think we'll still be doing uh, colonoscopies. Uh, colorectal itself... Uh, I think it will change I think we'll probably end up operating a bit less than we have been Uh, however technology is going to play a huge part we already use a lot of uh, technologically advanced equipment we use uh, quite expensive laparoscopic equipment we use a lot of expensive dissecting equipment Um, and with the advent of the robot I think in the future it will have a huge part to play Uh, At the moment it's only just evolving but I think in the next 5 to 10 years I think we'll be seeing a lot more of the robot
0: why do you think you'll be uh, operating less
1: possibly because medical therapies may uh, may have a part to play in uh, tumor regression yeah Um, the bulk of our work is about cancer yeah and so I think uh, you know I think time will come where they will probably find some some treatment a medical treatment option for for bowel cancers uh we're not nowhere near that at the moment yeah but also um we're also finding in fact certainly in my practice that with better staging equipment better cts better mris pet scanning is getting better and better that a lot of the time five years ago Generally, we don't operate it with metastatic disease. They go to medical therapy first before any surgery. Uh, and so, with better staging, we are finding more and more patients with, you know, metastatic disease which may not have been picked up before. So, in the past, they would have gone straight to an operation. Whereas ah, now, sure. we're delaying surgery now for a lot of these patients. Yeah. So, as a result, our operating numbers, are, you know, probably are dropping. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, bowel cancer is so prevalent uh, that most colorectal surgeons uh, are very, very busy.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. You mentioned that it's um, uh, given that bowel cancer makes up the bulk of your work, being able to resect that and cure a patient is quite um, rewarding. Well, what else about the job about colorectal surgery makes it a rewarding specialty besides being able to save patient lives?
1: Uh, look, I think the variety uh and it it does offer a life lifestyle choice um certainly here at Box Hill and the Royal Melbourne uh, th- the lifestyle is not so bad we we don't do general surgical on call we're purely a colorectal consultant service so uh the chances of being called out after hours is is low uh, we only get called for colorectal specific problems also uh, I think the variety plays a big big role you know mm-hmm. um, yeah. not only is it bowel cancer not only is it endoscopy we can do a lot of proctology work so you can do a lot of sort of minor cases which are also very important uh, hemorrhoids fissures fistulas very prevalent um, so I think the variety keeps you you know fresh and interested in what you do
0: yeah and uh, on the opposite spectrum what part of colorectal surgery is most difficult to deal with or I guess Uh, yeah do you struggle with the most?
1: I think the uh, two two big things in first one in surgery in general is judgment I think it's probably the most important uh, quality that a surgeon needs to have making the right decision for the right patient Uh, a lot of our work is fairly routine where the decision is clear-cut but now and again, you get a case where you think, "Oh, geez, I don't know what to do here." You know, what should I do? What's the right thing for the patient? So, uh, I think the judgment is is difficult and can be quite stressful sometimes. Uh, and that's why I think it's always good to have to work in a group. Uh, certainly, I didn't mention it before, but in terms of lifestyle, we were, colorectal surgery is big on being part of a, a group of surgeons who cover each other, so you're not there. On call looking after your own patients week in week out not only is it's very bad for you both physically and mentally uh, but it's also good to be part of a network of surgeons who support each other and be able to bounce ideas off each other Mm -hmm. uh, and to seek advice from your senior colleagues so even if you're a consultant uh, it doesn't mean you know everything you 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 know we've all got one or two people we can go to uh, for support and
0: advice yeah if there's any doctors you'd like us to interview, or if there's any questions you'd like asked, please shoot us a message. We listen and respond to every single message that comes through. Now back to the show. Does the private aspect of colorectal surgery also play a part in, um, I guess, the lifestyle choice as well? Uh, it
1: does. Uh, I guess it depends on what you're looking for. Uh, private practice itself can be very stressful. Yep. Uh, you essentially will be working on your own I mean you're in a group of I'm in a group of four surgeons um, and we do cover the cover each other uh, for weekends but in terms of patient care uh, it does take a lot of your time uh, patients expect you to be available 24/7 uh, but I think it's important uh, certainly in our society that the, the, there is a private component but mainly because of the you know, huge uh, strains on the public system. So we need uh, the private sector to be successful uh, to be able to deal with our public sector problems. I've just been to the UK. I've, I was in the UK most of last year and saw firsthand the the how the NHS is struggling over there. Just yeah. they've just got no money uh, because they've got vi- virtually no private sector over there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
0: Do you have an idea about how competitive colorectal surgery itself is?
1: It's so very, it's very competitive, yeah.
0: um, and especially making reference to other surgical um, specialties as well.
1: Uh, it's hard to compare because colorectal surgery is a subspecialty uh, of general surgery. So if you can, comp- and so. If you compare general surgery competitiveness to say orthopedics or plastics, I think general surgery is a lot easier to get into um, at that early level. Uh, however, uh, once you finish general surgical training, uh, to get into colorectal is, is fairly competitive to a point where uh, a lot of the people getting on now have got higher degrees, um, PhD level particularly. Uh, this wasn't the case when I went through thankfully (laughs) Uh, but you know having said that at that time it was still still very competitive Uh, you need to have a reasonable CV built up at that stage you need good support from colleagues who would want to work with you Uh, so yeah it's extremely competitive and it's not uncommon for people to apply three or four years in a row and still not get in
0: and what happens to those people who have applied, for example, for four years and can't get in? Do they fall back to general surgery and, I guess, stick with that? Or do you know if they go into another?
1: Yeah, so the, uh, there's one person I know of at the moment. He hasn't got in for three years, so he's still going to keep persevering. There's another one who went to upper GI surgery and is now a successful upper GI surgeon. Yeah. So it, it really depends on, uh, I guess... Your motivation, your family life, uh, how much patience you have. Um
0: so, I mean, you know, having to get, for example, a PhD is quite a quite a big step to take for you to absolutely. pursue something and yeah, then absolutely. for you to go through those steps and not get in that must be quite it can be quite devastating, I guess. Very much. Yeah. How has your role changed going from being a registrar, colorectal registrar, to being the consultant? besides the obvious I guess doing most of the consulting has, has it, yeah. does it change your lifestyle or does it change the actual work or uh, it's a
1: hard one because as a consultant I guess the buck stops with you so uh, y- you know if there's a complication uh, there's there's that added stress. That you bear Uh, a lot of people say as registrars or fellows who don't who do the operation on your behalf uh, they probably don't feel that Mm -hmm. Uh, but having said that uh, in some a lot of the ways I don't think that's true because I remember as a registrar and as a fellow whenever I I had a complication I was extremely worried uh, for the patient Um, so In that sense of responsibility I don't think it changes in terms of how you personally feel Uh, but as a consultant I guess you have to the level of responsibility is immense Uh,
0: and I guess you have to come to terms with that Mm -hmm. how do you do you have any tips on dealing with surgical complications because they're bound to happen but yeah I guess people deal with them differently yes so do you have anything any tips I guess uh, not, it, really. not really. Yeah. <laughs> it's,
1: it's one of the most, uh, most difficult things. Uh, you know you're going to get them. I think the most important thing is communication with your patients. You've, you've got to sit down and talk to them. Uh, the whole informed consent process is really, really important. Thankfully, in colorectal, I mean, we, we, we can have some horrendous complications, but they're not common. Uh, but as long as the patients are aware of what could potentially go wrong mm-hmm. uh, are
0: there factors that uh, commonly lead to these uh, complications so for example is it like the surgeon is tired or is it the team doesn't mesh well together or is it lack of knowledge of anatomy or do you know what what commonly causes these problems
1: oh God, I don't think so uh, um, by and large it's, it'll be a combination of factors mm-hmm. uh, colorectal surgery just by its nature is, has high complication rates uh, because we're dealing with a dirty organ really. Yeah. So infection rates are higher than normal. Uh, But the, you know, most of the time they're just minor infections which we can deal with. Um, So, you know, uh, uh, anastomotic leaks, for example, there are lots of factors that can cause a leak. but there wouldn't be a surgeon in the world who's gone through their career without having a leak sure. despite being a brilliant surgeon uh, So a lot of the factors we just can't account for yeah uh, In terms of lack of training or not knowing your anatomy I'd be very surprised if that happens in my field because we're trained to such a high level mm-hmm. and uh, Certainly colorectal surgery in Australia and New Zealand is regarded as having the best training program in the world
0: Oh, wonderful Please make sure to complete the survey for this episode. We want to make sure the episodes are as useful as possible and the surveys help us to monitor whether they're making an impact on our fellow peers. It only takes 30 seconds and it helps more than you can imagine. The link can be found on our Facebook and our blog. Now back to the show. We touched on work-life balance before. How would you say your work-life balance is and how do you fit in work, family and everything else?
1: Uh yeah it's it's a busy life uh, but I guess a bit of planning uh, and communication uh, gives a reason I've got a reasonably good work-life balance I think Um, certainly working as part of a group or working in a bigger unit we've got 11 surgeons on our unit so our on-call is one week in 11 yeah which is not too bad (laughs) yeah so yeah planning communication with your family uh, and working as a group rather than individual are the main things and I think work-life balance is really important because uh, if there's too much of one thing particularly the work side I think you're not gonna last too long and yeah. in, 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 in this day and age
0: yeah you mentioned you have relatively predictable work hours such as your on-call and not really being called in um, at night time anyway yeah do you have are your work hours during the day quite long, especially given that you have to drive from area to area? Uh,
1: again, that's fairly variable. Um, so we still have, well, certainly uh, at my level, I've, I still tend to have at least a half day a week off uh, to myself but do admin or uh, do whatever I want, really. Um, but there's still enough time to get you know in like today is a full day i've been at lilydale in the morning but still had enough time to have some lunch and drive across uh, in time to start the clinic so you know it's not too onerous mm-hmm. i guess it depends on everyone individually some some sure. people are really really busy yeah uh, and just would not be able to do that kind of work mm-hmm. uh, so it but i guess once you're a consultant you do get some level of autonomy uh, and choice in uh, what you want to do and and how busy you want to be, uh, and so I, I feel like at the moment I've got my balance relatively, uh, uh, I've got a reasonably good balance, um, but I guess we will all strive to get it better. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm fairly happy with the way things are at the moment.
0: Do you have any particular interests outside of medicine that have, especially ones that have I guess stood the test of time since? medical school or anything like that because it can get quite difficult to keep up with your interests outside of medicine Especially going through registrar training
1: Uh, definitely Um, I guess growing up I uh, Sport is a big one for me. Um, Yeah When I was in school, I excelled at sport more than uh, academically Uh, I ran at a fairly high level Uh, I ran for my birth nation Fiji internationally Uh, even through university yeah so I I guess and I'm so keen take a keen interest in other sports as well so I guess that takes up a lot of my outside interests yeah apart from that just general reading Um, yeah so there is still time for all of that
0: are you able to make um, to have interests which require like set timings. So, for example, like having playing like a, a mixed sport which has which is every Wednesday seven thirty. is that quite difficult to do as a consultant?
1: Extremely difficult. Uh, and uh, when I was a resident, I used to play cricket, um, and and as an intern. But once surgical training kicked in, I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Uh, what was initially a very social thing. Uh, became uh, quite strict where you wouldn't get a game if you didn't come to training yeah and that was just impossible you know as a, as a busy resident even as a doctor you, yeah you, a game like cricket takes hours uh, so it depends on what you want to do but
0: it, it will have a, uh, an effect yeah yeah going back to your intern year what advice would you have wanted to have known or what would have made your life easier as an intern and a junior doctor do you think
1: uh for me i uh, it's a difficult one really it's it was a long time ago
0: yeah <laughs> or is there anything uh, for example as a consultant now that you work with junior doctors is there something that you see that could be improved on or something that could do better
1: i think the biggest thing for me was uh, the lack of support and i think we can all as senior medical people really help uh i'm I think Eastern Health is not too bad, I think these days the interns get a reasonable amount of support. I don't know uh, what the latest is from their point of view. Um, but certainly in my day, my first term was a night term Yeah. as an intern. Um, uh, so, sorry, my first term was emergency, uh, but I also had to do nights yeah. and often I was the only doctor in the hospital, uh, which was extremely stressful. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I guess from an internship point of view I think we should pay extra attention to providing the interns with the support that they require and and for them to be able to ask for help uh, you know even if they think even the smallest query that they've got they need to be able to ask without sort of feeling like they're going to be belittled by asking a stupid question or something like that so I think support is a huge thing uh, and if you can get it early on uh, it does wonders for your confidence and it does wonders for your general well-being mm-hmm. uh, and 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 I guess um, you know it's like anything if you have a positive experience at work it makes you want to work harder and, and do better
0: what kind of support can a senior clinician provide to a junior doctor because I mean for example in terms of like working hours and whatnot that might be administrative yeah. side of things but as a like as a consultant what su- what kind of support can you provide
1: I think um, availability. Yeah. Uh, so you know they need to, they could be able to ring you. They can email you. They can uh, come into your theatre if they know your timetable. Uh, they can find you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know e- even intern to consultant, a lot of places interns wouldn't even. Uh, you know, they'd be too scared to bring up a consultant. Yeah. Um, but I think those barriers need to be broken down. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to learn from a consultant, and a lot of the time, that's just that interface is just not there. Sure. Uh So I think that needs to be broken down, and probably need a bit more interaction uh, at that level. You know, interns at the moment mostly deal with their registrars. Yeah. Uh, and rarely with a fellow, uh, or if you're lucky, a fair bit with a fellow. Yeah. Uh, but I think it needs to extend up to consultant level as well
0: wonderful That's pretty much all I had to ask you just one la- one last thing what kind of people do you think are suited for colorectal surgery um, I tend to say colorectal
1: surgeons are very humble uh, compared to some a few of the other specialties and it's probably because we can't have an ego in our in our field because you might go a few months feeling like you're on top of the world and you're a great surgeon but eventually there'll be a complication that will bring you back down to earth yeah Uh, and some of our complications can be absolutely horrendous Uh, and you know having to speak to the poor patients day in day out for months yeah it's 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 a very humbling experience and i think uh the vast majority of us tend to be of that nature i think just uh you know work hard head down and just try and be humble i guess
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Mr. Chandra. appreciate your time. No problem. Welcome. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to keep in touch with us through social media. Our handle is at TheMedCollab, that's T-H-E-M-E-D-C-O-L-L-A-B, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our podcast for our weekly release. All right, guys. See you next week.